Welcome to the Birth Prep Podcast. I'm Taylor, and I am here to help you prepare your mind, body, and team to best support you during your birth experience. Today, we are going to be chatting about something that I think is incredibly important to touch on. We're going to be chatting about some common manipulation tactics in the birth industry. Now, I cannot change these providers, nurses, etc., but I can equip you with the tools and information you need to navigate the industry for what it is. There's just absolutely no reason or excuse for these things to be happening, yet they happen all the time. Each of these things that I'm going to chat with you about have happened to me personally. I have spoken with hundreds of mothers at this point who have had similar experiences to mine, and these things are absolutely happening today in the birth space. Now, are all providers manipulative and coercive, and do they all lie? Absolutely not. There are amazing providers out there, and I don't want to scare you, but I do want you guys to have this information in case you need it, because it's better to have it and not need it than to not have it and absolutely need it, like I did myself. I had to unfortunately learn a lot of these things the hard way, and I do not want that for you. So, Let's chat about these things. I have five tactics that I want to cover, and then we're going to chat a little bit about how to avoid these things from happening. So let's just dive into it. Number one is presenting things like there are only one option. Basically, if you're being told to do something, there's usually always more than one option. The only thing you don't really have an option on is delivering your baby via vagina or C-section. So your baby is going to have to come out that day. But other than that, you have options for literally everything. The option they're portraying as the only option might be the best option for you, but you want to make sure that you're at least involved in that decision-making process. I think you should be making all of the decisions surrounding your birth, if not somebody else is making them for you, and not everybody has your best interest at heart. When I was pregnant with my third baby, I walked into one of my last appointments. It was probably around like 37-ish weeks, and my provider comes in and she says, okay, let's schedule that C-section. And we had not chatted about a C-section at any point prior to this. So I was like, girl, you've got the wrong room, wrong girl. This is, that's not for me. Thank you though. And she proceeded to tell me why I needed a C-section and I politely declined. I was like, well, if it gets to that point, we can do an emergency C-section. I said, but I'm not going to opt for a C-section today. But she came in presenting it as that was the only option for me because of XYZ. Had it been my first baby and I didn't understand how things worked and I didn't understand the industry as much as I did at that point, which honestly I didn't even really understand fully, but I had the information that I needed in order to refuse and to make a different decision for myself. So if something is being portrayed as the one and only option, ask why, ask questions, be curious about things. That's like the main focus of today's podcast is be curious, ask why. The question why holds so much power, it's incredible. If you don't understand something, get to the bottom of it. Get a second opinion if you have to. Make sure you fully understand before consenting to something, especially something as extreme as a C-section, you know, that's major abdominal surgery. And she was just talking about it like it was no big deal. And that was the best course of action for me. Long story short, I spent about three minutes pushing her out. So, you know, she was wrong. And I'm glad that I stood up for myself and made a different decision. Next, we have giving the worst case scenario for only one option. So maybe they're giving you two different options, but they are telling you all of the things that can go wrong for only one of the options. 
This happened to me several different times, but the story that I'm choosing to share with you today is something that happened with my second baby. I had an ultrasound at around 36, 37 weeks, and I was informed that my baby was already ginormous, basically. They said he was already over eight pounds. He would be well over 10 pounds at birth, which I was kind of, you know, planning on because my first baby was 9'3", and I know that they can tend to get bigger the more children that you have. So I was banking on a big baby, right? I was a big baby. My mom had big babies, and I was just planning on all of my babies being big, but they presented it as like my baby was either going to not be able to come out of my vagina and I would need a C-section or I wouldn't get the C-section in time and my baby would die because he couldn't come out of my vagina. Basically, they were trying to get me to do an induction and saying that that would help avoid a C-section, which is one of my biggest fears. Even still to this day, I do not want to ever undergo that. I know that sometimes it's necessary and we don't have a choice in the matter, but that was one of my biggest fears and my doctor knew that. So I was basically fear-mongered into choosing an induction, and I had an induction at 39 weeks. At no point was I informed of the risks of the induction that was being offered to me, because every single decision that we make surrounding our pregnancy, every option that's available for every decision, it comes with risks. Birth is never going to be risk-free. It's our job to weigh the risks versus the benefits and make a decision that we feel really good about. So I was just given the risks for staying pregnant and was not informed of the risks of the induction that was being offered to me. When you're being told your baby's going to die, you kind of just agree. (laughs) And that's what I did, unfortunately. It wasn't the worst experience ever, but I did have some complications. He had shoulder dystocia. He was not in an optimal position because he was being forced out. My body and my baby were not ready to do that yet. And that is literally the definition of induction is forcing your body and baby to do something they're not ready for. And because of that, we had some complications. A week later, I found out that my provider had actually gone on vacation and she just wanted to collect her paycheck before leaving. And I was lied to and manipulated and that was really disheartening. I had a lot of anger after that. I did not see her again after that. And it could have been a lot different of a scenario had she not done that to me. So I should have asked, well, what are the risks of induction? What are the risks of watching and waiting? What are the benefits of watching and waiting? What are the benefits of choosing an induction? I should have asked those questions and I did not know to ask those questions. If you feel like you're being pressured into doing something, you probably are. Did I mention that was my smallest baby to date? He was eight pounds even and he, even with the shoulder dystocia and the getting stuck and the traumatic experience, I was only pushing for like five minutes. Enough of that. Let's move on to number three, telling instead of asking. This is very extremely common, and it seems to be what is taught in the medical field to do um, across the board, not even just in the birth industry, but in other areas as well. You see, as a patient, you have the right to refuse consent at any point in time, even if you had previously given consent, even if you had already had that same procedure performed earlier that day. It doesn't matter. At any point, you can say, nope, actually, I changed my mind, or no, this is not for me, or no, thank you, we're not doing that today. You can always refuse. But if you don't know that, and someone comes into your birth space, and they tell you that it's time for something, and you don't know that you can refuse, and you just allow them to do it, that is considered implied consent, meaning they don't have to ask you, they just have to not get a no. When you're a first-time mother, especially as a young mom, and you just don't know how the medical system works, and they're telling you you need to do something, it sounds like it's required to birth your baby, right? Like, I always thought for all three of my first pregnancies that cervical checks were required during my labor experience to birth my baby. 
because every time they came into the room, it wasn't, hey, would you like your cervix checked? It was, it's time to check your cervix. And I get that that saves them time and energy and all of that stuff, but that is not okay in my book, personally. Just know that you have options. If somebody's telling you you have to do something, you don't have to do anything you don't want to do. This is why it's incredibly important to understand and know your rights as a patient. It's important to understand all the different decisions that need to be made surrounding your birth for things like cervical checks and not eating and monitoring and IV fluids and all the different things. If you don't want something in your birth experience, you don't have to have it. So if somebody comes in and says, hey, it's time for XYZ, you can just refuse consent. You can ask questions so that you understand before consenting if you don't quite understand. But don't just say, oh, this just must be required of me. Even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to have to do it to have this baby today. Could not be farther from the truth. Next up, we have a favorite of the birth workers is throwing that word policy around. A lot of the times they'll like to say, oh, well, it's policy. We have to do this. The policy is for the hospital. That's the hospital's policy. The policy is their way of doing things, and that's their standard of care, and that's the way they're going to want to do things. But policy is not legally binding, and it is not required of you at any point in time. Again, this is great reason to understand your rights as a patient and understand informed consent and understand how to make sure you are achieving that for yourself. So I had my third baby in the hospital. That was the last baby I had in the hospital and hopefully will be the last baby that I had in the hospital. Um, That's just a personal choice. You don't have to have a home birth to have a good birth. I don't want to tell you like that is not my mission at all. You guys can have whatever type of birth that you want. But me personally, I chose that day during my pushing experience that I would never have another hospital birth. Because you see, I was pretty informed at that point, And I knew that there were things that I wanted to do differently that time. And I got to the point where I was ready to push. And I told them, say, hey, it's time for me to push now. Just letting you guys know. I was on my hands and knees at this point. I was laboring my baby. And they told me that I had to get on my back to push my baby out. And I said, no, I don't want to do that. I refused several times. They kept telling me, no, you have to. And I knew that I didn't have to. And when, you know, when you're in having a baby pretty much unmedicated and you are about to push her out, baby is crowning, like things are getting intense at this point. I was not able to put up a fight at that point. I should have had a conversation well in advance about what I wanted to do. And that was my fault. But I was being told over and over again that it's policy. We have to have you on your back. You have to be on the back before the doctor gets here, blah, 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 blah. So they made me turn over my entire body and push my baby out on my back. And that was the moment for me personally that I vowed to never have that type of experience again, because I knew in that moment that they didn't care about me or my baby. That, it, that I was not the highest priority that day, that the doctor having a good view and having a good access for their hands and all the things, that that was higher priority than my wants and needs in that moment. And that was something that I never wanted to experience again. I wish I would have advocated for myself more. I wish I would have had conversations in advance. I wish that I would have prepared my team to advocate for me when I was unable to. They knew that I was unable to advocate for myself in that moment. So they kept pushing and kept telling me, no, absolutely not. And I got to the point where I gave up. I stopped fighting and I got on my back with the help of other people because it was very difficult and very painful. But that was all in the name of their policy. And they said that I had to do it because it was policy. And you would never have to do anything according to the policy. The final manipulation tactic I want to cover today is using statistics in a very misleading way. 
Now, this is not lying about statistics. Hopefully, nobody is doing that. Always double check. Always get a second opinion if you feel as though you need one. And you can always look into the information and the research yourself. This is where they are wording things in such a way that makes it sound a lot scarier than it actually is. I see this happen a lot with women trying for a VBAC, with stillbirth conversations, with cesarean section versus induction, whatever, blah, blah, blah. So the conversation will look like, well, you're 50% more likely for your uterus to rupture since you had a previous C-section and we cannot do another VBAC. We're going to just go ahead and opt for the cesarean again, the repeat. And you might walk away from that conversation thinking, oh my gosh, there's a 50% chance that my uterus can rupture if I try to birth this baby vaginally. When in reality, that is the relative risk. So it's very important to understand relative risk versus absolute risk. Relative risk is essentially the risk of an event happening to you versus that same event happening to a different group of people, where your absolute risk is the actual amount of risk that you were at risk for that event happening to you. So the non-C-section mama might be at, you know, like a 0.457% risk for uterine rupture. 50% more than that is still incredibly small. It's like less than 1%. So you hear this big giant 50% number, but the absolute risk is incredibly slim still. Most providers do not want to assume any extra risk, no matter how small it is. So they use the relative risk and tell you, oh, you're 50% more likely. And while yes, that's true, the absolute risk is still incredibly small and you deserve to understand the risks versus the benefits so that you can weigh those, apply them to your certain situation and make a decision that you feel really good about for yourself. I hope you found that helpful. I think this stuff is incredibly important to talk about and to understand and know. It's very real that this happens in the birth space, and I hope that you don't encounter it at any point, but I do hope that you prepare yourself for it regardless. That way, if you do happen to encounter a manipulation situation, you can be ready to combat it and be ready to ask all the questions and be ready to understand and be ready to advocate for yourself. Ask why, be curious, get to the bottom of it. If you don't understand something fully, make sure you understand fully before you are consenting to a medical situation. It's not just you who's affected by these decisions. Your baby is also affected by these decisions and they shouldn't be taken lightly. Again, I'm not trying to fearmonger anybody. I just want you guys to have the tools and the information you need to navigate the industry for what it very well could be and what it very well is for many people. That is it for today. I would love to hang out with you guys on social. I am starting a new birth planning series on TikTok and on Instagram. I'm also going to be posting it on Facebook, but does anybody hang out on Facebook? I don't know. But this is going to be a pretty good series. It's going to be jam-packed with information. I'm creating a freebie for it, all the things. And I'd love to see you and hang out with you and chat with you in my comments and my DMs. It's going to be a good week. So I will link my TikTok and my Instagram and yes, even Facebook in the show notes for you guys. If you want to check that series out, I would love to have you. We're going to be covering all the different decisions that need to be made surrounding your birth experience, as well as some of the most common options for each of those decisions to hopefully help you get jump started on creating your birth plan. So get excited. Thank you guys for hanging out with me today. I will chat with you very soon. As always, happy prepping.